Ready Show. I'm Nina. And I'm Josh Luckett. And we have a very special guest. Yes, guys. So, one, before I even introduce the guest, so we decided to take a break from our series on um, mental health. And we just felt like there was a big topic in America that didn't need to just be addressed because it was trendy, but needed to be addressed because there seems to be a lot of confusion around it. And uh, once again, we just love to bring the minority perspective to add, uh, hopefully, some clarity to the situation of the Amber Geiger and um, Gene Botham uh, situation. And so to do that, we decided to bring on an incredible guest, friend of mine, he's um, one of the volunteers in Youth Impact. Um, Kennedy, you want to want to kind of introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, um, my name is Kennedy. I um, I do Youth Impact with Josh, and uh, I guess a little bit about me is I'm uh, I'm from Dallas, which actually kind of ties in a little bit to um, the. That's actually pretty yeah, huge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the both of John uh, case, and uh, I'm you know I'm, I'm mixed. I'm half black, half white. Um, but I was raised kind of, uh, you know, by a single mother, my, my white mother. And so I kind of, yeah, I guess there's, there are a lot of things that when I see stuff like this, uh, I can, I can kind of, um, relate to a little bit of both sides at times. Um, and so there's, I don't know, I just, that's, that's a little bit about me. That's uh, helpful. Mixed that's man. Helpful. Yeah. yeah. A little bit about me is that I started this uh, podcast off misquoting uh, <laughs> the victim's name. His name is Botham Jean. Um, and so, uh, uh, seriously, uh, our hearts go out to uh, to that family and to that whole situation, which is an absolute travesty. And so, um, yeah, God, God bless that family, and, and our hearts are, are with them, even as we kind of kind of talk through the situation, but I think one of the things that we want to do on the podcast today is, is I guess, kind of clear up um, this these kind of false dichotomies that are being made in the conversation with kind of the hug and the forgiveness, but also the justice, and 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 to really show, because I think what, what's happening, and y'all, y'all, correct me at any point here but I think what's happening at least on on social media um, that we'll bring more wisdom to later is people are responding to um, the courtroom scene that happened in very polarizing ways some people are responding to it with heartbreak some people are responding to it with celebration some people are responding to it with rejoice some people are responding to it with frustration and so, so what we want to do is we want to kind of chronicle the story, deal with the courtroom scene and all that goes on along with that, and then wrestle with some of the repercussions that have come from the courtroom scene um, tangibly in life, but also continually in the lives of African Americans and even evangelicals, as they have been a huge part of this conversation, are going to be a huge part of this conversation, and it has been kind of the kind of the area where, where um, I think a lot of the frustration has taken place on, on both sides. And so here we are. Um, we want to chronicle the story. Um, yeah, let's, let's do that. So, so um, police officer Amber Geiger, um, you don't want to jump in, kind of, kind of walk through kind of what happened. Yeah. Um, so if we can, so you just introduced um, Amber, right? But then, so just, I guess character-wise, there we have Botham. He is how old was he? He's in his twenties, right? Mm-hmm. He's twenty-three. Yeah, so he's super young, yeah, super yeah, young. Yeah, yeah. Um, a U.S. citizen. He wasn't from here though. He was right. from like the Caribbean or yes, something right. like that. Um. And he was profession. What was he? Was he? I thought he was an act, um, accountant for some reason. I think something. Look it up. Yeah. Anyways, he great guy. He had really uh, strong ties to the community. 
Um, strong ties to the church. Yes, strong ties to the yeah, church. We all yeah, got the video of him doing worship within the church, which is beautiful. Unfortunately, we got it on the other side of his life, but yeah, it's beautiful. Um, and then I guess another key character would be Josh Brown, Joshua Brown, mm-hmm. his neighbor who lived across the the apartment complex but not like across it like right next door to him i guess would be a better way to describe it and then i think those are the three main characters that are super important yeah so amber's uh so let's get into the details a little bit amber's coming off of a a 13 and a half hour shift which is nothing to nothing to giggle at that's that's intense for especially for a police officer um and so she's coming to her apartment um, and she believes she's under the assumption that she's walking into her apartment, walks into the apartment, sees a young man eating ice cream on a couch and, um, assumes that, um, that is an intruder in her house and is a terrified single woman, um, uh, shoots off, um, shoots, uh, uh, Botham twice. Um, even admits in the courtroom that she was shooting with the intention to kill, not for any maliciousness in her admission, but for the sake of her protection in that moment. Um, and yeah, I guess before we fast forward the year into, um, the verdict or the months, I guess it was close to a year to the verdict, let's deal with some of those details because it's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's, it's like, when I first heard that, I was like, okay, like, what was the layout of the apartment? How does she just walk into the long, or the wrong one? And so, evidently, they have it by, like, floor, so you drive into a certain, like, a garage, and then from the garage, you walk into where the apartment complex is, and I believe she went one up, like, she lived below him in that same apartment, but just one floor under him. And so, she went to the fifth floor for example, instead of the fourth, and then that's when she walked in to his apartment. Which which could be tricky. So I have a friend who lives in Dallas, and he said he's gone to those same apartments and been confused and got lost trying to get to his friend's house. And so there is a chance, at least, even though this story is crazy fishy, there is certainly a chance that she definitely walked into an apartment that she was assuming was hers. Now, there's some more details there, but... Yeah, I when I first heard it, uh, when I first heard that she walked into the wrong apartment, I thought it was kind of maybe a little fishy, but I've also had an experience myself where I've walked into, not into the wrong dorm, but I tried to get in. Um, I was really tired, uh, just came back from hanging with some friends late, late at night, and uh, someone comes and opens the door, didn't know who they were um and they said i think you have the wrong apartment or wrong dorm and so uh, i've been there i certainly can understand how that would be something that you do as a mistake um and so from from a little bit uh, just about that part i i don't necessarily want to give her the benefit of the doubt but i guess i'd be willing to um and, you know, because that, that's something, apparently, Dallas people are good at it. Your friend, me, Lock your doors if you live in Dallas. <laughs> but I guess, I guess where, where it gets crazy for me, so there's definitely courtroom evidence of, or at least uh, some of the evidence that they had to work with was he had a completely different colored floor mat. Or um, furniture. Yeah. Like, furniture, you see someone on yes. a different couch that is not yours, like, even decor. Yeah, or yeah like there was even a specific, even your like place. there wasn't a table. There was a table that was supposed to be there yeah. that wasn't. Right. I'm also going to throw this out here, and I think this is important. If I walk in, if I were to try to rob an apartment, I would not... Sit down and eat ice cream? In my pajamas. <laughs> I, I just wouldn't. This is not Goldilocks and the Three Bears. You're not going to find me <laughs> trying out the porridge, trying out the rocking chair, and trying out the bed. I'm just, so I, so I, I, just think, I just think that there's something there of like, yes, you might have walked in on a crackhead who's just going to, you know, chill and eat ice right. cream. Right, yeah. But, but you didn't. Like right. you, yeah. you, 90, 90% of the time if someone's robbed, like my house has been robbed before. I didn't even know anything happened until I noticed something was Mm-hmm. Like it, if people are gonna rob a house or intrude a house, they're not they're not gonna take ice cream. 
And so I think <laughs> what's problematic with the story, and and I and and I'm actually gonna call her a victim on this, but I'll explain why. As soon as she noticed that there may have been an intruder in her house, her first reaction was not to ask questions; it was to shoot. Yeah. Now I get it. You're a woman. You're you're single. You're in a place you think you may be alone. This could be someone that can harm you. But her first intention wasn't to ask questions, wasn't to run, it was to shoot. And I think I know why. Because she's a police officer. And I think one of the things she may be a victim of that is important, and of course we're going to extend this conversation on a later podcast, but she has been trained. She has been trained to be judged by 12 instead of carried by 6. Mm-hmm. And she has been trying, like, there are drills for police officers where it's like, you just react. You just react. Oh, it's scary. Oh, it's, oh, oh, oh. You know, and it's like, I got to make it home. I got to make it home. I got to make it home. And the reason that I think that's, that's problematic for a million reasons, because, one, the lives of civilians are in your hands, and you're not judge, jury, and executioner as a police mm-hmm. officer. You're yeah. law enforcement, and right. you get them in front of a judge and yeah. a jury. That's good. Um, but also, like, what happened to the mindset of service? Mm-hmm. Like, do we not have an, a, a, a biblical model of service where Jesus says that it's sacrificial? And so how do you go into the line of duty with the mindset of, I have to make it home? Mm-hmm. Now, I, now, look, I have family members that are police officers. So I get it. Extended family, immediate family that are police officers. So I get it. I want them to come back home. But also... They are serving. They are serving. And I just feel like, where is the call? Do we ever teach them any type of de-escalation caution? Or do we simply teach them react? And I I think that's problematic. And, well, I think that goes not only to, like, law enforcement, but even people who are, like, in the Army, for example. Mm -hmm. Like, they're just the, like, you hesitate, you die. And And I was just, like, thinking about it, like, I don't know of any other alternatives necessarily. You know, like, mm-hmm. I understand the, like, sacrificial thing, but, um, you know, like, a good friend of ours is, uh, or mine is a police officer, and he's, you know, like, he, yeah, he'll he'll be the first to tell you that you, you never know who's in the car in front of you. You never know mm-hmm. what they have or, you know, like, mm-hmm. what. And this is a man who is so, like, well, um, you know, like, he's just very... Um, service oriented Mm. and like a great you know it's just like i was just thinking okay what's the alternative like what do we do you know Mm. that's a conversation for another day but yeah it's yeah i I think it does need to be questioned and it does need to be assessed and Mm. that we need to do better um i don't necessarily have a a how or why or like a how now necessarily yeah no for sure for sure the only the only thing i can say is if if amber geiger would have been trained to be a guardian not a warrior she may not have shot Bob and Gina. Wow, yeah, that's good. If she would have been trained to be someone who's here to protect the community, her natural reaction to any situation that was slightly dangerous wouldn't have been to shoot. But because she was trained as a warrior, which mm-hmm. I, and I'm saying she's a victim of this, to me. She's a victim yeah. to, of being trained as someone who it's, it's me and all those savages and barbarians and criminals and thugs mm-hmm. out there. And if anything seems sketchy, you just gotta, yeah. I gotta, I gotta, you know, I gotta pull out my gun, you know. Yeah. I and, think, well, like moving on until like just a little bit after. Mm-hmm. So he was on the couch eating ice cream. He was shot twice, mm-hmm. and then um, she makes a phone call, and that's While when, kind of right? Yeah, when Joshua Brown comes out of his apartment. Who I want to say he said the distance between. His and Botham's door were like six feet. Like he could put his arm on one door and then his arm on Botham's. Wow. Like that's how close they were. And wow. just go like that. Well, you can't see me. But, you know, like move yeah. back and forth. <laughs> um, you know, whatever. Anyway. Um, and she was saying, oh, I accidentally shot him. I accidentally shot him. Then po- law enforcement come. What I thought was really interesting and absolutely wrong was she was not taking the prison that night. Oh yeah, that that it was three days later, right? Yeah, yeah. That's that's problematic. Which I feel like 
had were the roles reversed, Botham would have been put. I mean, this would have been a completely different case if it were mm-hmm. Botham who shot Amber. Which but, we're gonna we're gonna investigate that imaginary world. We that that world needs to be investigated yeah. because it's important. But yeah, you're right. If roles were reversed, he goes to jail that mm-hmm. time. No question of that. But instead, it's three days later. Yeah. With some supposedly sketchy potential cover-ups. Yeah, it's actually interesting that you mentioned that because I, um, I remember a few days later, it might have been a week later actually, um, I saw on Twitter, Fox News, uh, of course, uh, <laughs> they, uh, they, they tweeted, they were the only ones to do this to, at least to, to my knowledge, um, they, were, they tweeted out an article about how uh, they found marijuana in, my in the apartment and I, my, I blocked them. I, they're still blocked to this day. Um, I was like, I don't want to see anything like that on my on my Twitter. That's even if there was marijuana, that's not relevant to at, at all. Like at all. It's, it, it, and I'm not trying to defend him for having it or whatever. That, that's a completely separate topic. But it's his apartment. <laughs> you don't kill someone in their apartment for having something that they that is illegal. But it wasn't even like the marijuana wasn't in question when he was shot. You know, he was eating ice cream. And then it was like, oh, later to kind of like soften the blow. Like only, Mm -hmm. I I believe it was honestly just to like, and like make more of an enemy of him. So it wouldn't be like as big of a deal, right? He's a criminal. No, that's Um, Malcolm X. Malcolm X straight up. You know, if Malcolm X were still talking today, we would think he was just as relevant today as he was 50 years ago. For sure. So he was literally talking about that. He was saying that one of the strategies of of racism and police brutality is what you do is you continue to speak negatively of a community, talk about them with names, talk about them as criminals, as thugs, as dangerous. Um, And then what happens is it desensitizes you to hearing a story mm-hmm. of an 18-year-old shot dead and sitting in the street for hours. Yeah. It desensitizes you to hearing a story of a person being apprehended and then didn't even make it to the jail without a broken spine and is dead. Right. It, it desensitizes you to those stories because now all of a sudden we all watched Eric Gardner get choked out mm-hmm. on a video and instead of our reaction being, I cannot believe I just watched a man be killed by an agent of the state on a video. Mm-hmm. It's well, he was selling Lucy's mm-hmm. because w- what we do is like, for whatever reason, we've taken drugs instead of making this is a whole pot, another podcast. We've taken <laughs> drugs and instead of making yeah. it a health issue, we've said, "Oh, look, that's that that's the that's the meat to to, to unleash the dogs into those communities to 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 let loose." And I. And, and I know that's going to trigger people to, it, it was an analogy, so I'm not calling police officers dogs. Um, I, I told you I have family members that are police officers. But um, but the the idea is if we, if we criminalize those communities and if we brand them a certain way, then no one is, no one is, 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 uh, is in shock of whatever happens in those communities. Yeah, yeah. No, and I think it's something that it's like, the community, I, I feel like just from like the outside looking in, the African American community feels that, Absolutely. right? Um, and this is like track with me, but I had um, a little boy that I worked with. He's eight, and he's just kind of call it, like fallen under the sunken ship fallacy of like I'm just bad. Everyone says I'm bad. They know I'm gonna be bad. They know I'm gonna do bad things. And this is a very micro version, I feel like, of what's happening in the African American community, especially when it comes to the justice system, because he was like, "I'm the baddest kid on this bus," and it, you know, it's it's me essentially, and and just like kind of falling into this, like, well, the teachers expect me to be bad, and you know, like, I he's like, "Why should I be any better? This is like, this is who I am. It's who you know, and this is like all that he sees." But it's like, okay, like, what are we doing? to like enforce that in him, you know? And what is this going to look like manifested in 20 years? That's it. No, that's it. I, and I totally follow that because that's, that's a reality. That's a reality where it's like, you know, when you, I mean, we see it in hip-hop. And mm-hmm. I and I love hip-hop, and I think what they're doing with that narrative is actually brilliant, and, and, and I love it. But um, we've so branded them as, or our whole community as thugs, as criminals, as outlaws, that they've gotten to the, to the point where it was like, you know what? Yeah, yeah, I am. I am. That's exactly what I am. And and, 
and I'm going to embrace that while still making money legally through music and through <laughs> entrepreneurship. But yes, I'm going to sag my pants and wear a grill yeah. and get this money. Yeah. <laughs> like, but but we but we but we branded them a certain way, and it's just you get to a point where you embrace it, but then when you don't have that artistic outlet mm-hmm. to embrace it, you embrace it in actual criminality and not right. being able to abide by our institutions and, and then get caught up in being exiled from resources and, and incarcerated. But but back into it, so so I guess are there any more things we need to hit before we get all the way over to the to the to the trial? You know, there's one thing that I thought was interesting, maybe a little random, but um, this was actually at the time, it's crazy how long this has taken, because this was when there was the Senate uh, race in Texas. Wow. Um, Beto O'Rourke and, yeah. and Ted Cruz yeah. had a wow. debate topic on this, and I remember listening to it, and um, they asked specifically about the case, and they asked, do you believe that that black men are, or not black men, but just black communities in general are targeted unfairly by the police officers and um not to you know we we know how this went went. his response was not it didn't address the question it was i have been to too many police officer funerals um you know and, and to me i think that's kind of the stance that a lot of americans have taken themselves is um deflection yeah. That's not the question. This is a very important question to ask. Uh, are black people targeted unfairly by police officers? Because at the end of the day, you know, I think there are three appropriate answers to this. Um, one is no, but I'd love to hear if you, mm-hmm. you know, think that there mm-hmm. there is unjust, uh, injustice. That's good. Um, I would disagree, but I think that that's a very open-minded way to say no. Uh, one is I don't know, but I'd love to hear. Mm-hmm. more about it. I think this is an yeah. important issue mm-hmm. uh, because at the end of the day, if the answer is yes, then that's at the cost of people's lives. Mm-hmm. And then the last the last way to answer is yes, I do, and I think that we need to do something about it. But instead of, and, and you know, we do this for a lot of things, so I'm not going to act like I'm you know, high and mighty, but mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot of the times we don't answer the question, we don't even look into the question, and we deflect into something because it makes us uncomfortable and I think that's where a lot of the problem is mm-hmm. in cases like this is that we don't really care to dive deep because uh, it's uncomfortable that's good yeah. that's good I think it's that's huge good. and I guess there's a there is another piece that I want to add that that's important for y'all listening I hope you realize that you're getting you're you're getting on, on this on this particular issue I hope you realize you, you don't take this as like just a gut punch if you're on a particular side, but you take this as, man, this is a really great education on how minority communities are, are, are processing through situations like this. But another thing that I think Amber Geiger is a victim of is the ugly, false narrative of white women needing to be terrified of the violence that a black man would do. Because mm-hmm. it, it's not true. It's not true. If anything, the way that American history has played out is that black women need to be terrified of what a white man would do to them from slavery on, yeah. from the rape culture that was in slavery to the, um, to the, to the, of course, police brutality and lynching and just all the ugliness that, that has happened on the other side of slavery. Um, to now, I mean, um, minority women are loading up prisons, mm-hmm. um, But I think in many ways, and I don't know this for sure, I don't know this for sure, and I can't know this for sure, but I think in many ways when Amber walked into that apartment, there may be something about that trigger moving a little faster with him being a a bigger black man. Because there's just this false paranoia. Literally the the whole lynch laws in the South and the movement of the Ku Klux Klan, a lot of that was justified. Well, we got to protect white women from these studs, these dangerous, big, strong African-American men who might rape and harm them. Literally in the film, uh, Birth of a Nation, there's a, there's a white woman who runs to the edge of a cliff and jumps off because she'd rather jump off the cliff than be raped by a, by a black man. In the film, as a black man painted mm-hmm. in um, uh, uh, 
blackface. But like, and and just so y'all know, that's the first film in American history, and it was a film about the Ku Klux Klan protecting white communities from savage, barbaric black people. And so I, I, I think there's a, she's a victim of another narrative of, oh, I have to be extra. This is a black man in my, in my house. And mm-hmm. he may, you know, and, and I, I just, you know, I, I, I get, you know, we're going to get to the forgiveness here in a second, but I get, maybe, maybe he's not thinking through all this, but I get Botham Jean's brother having so much compassion and pity on Amber because in many ways I do. I, I mm-hmm. think like she is she really is a victim to her training, her her subconscious beliefs about black men. And like I said, I don't know for sure. That could have been a white man in there eating ice cream that she'd have probably gunned him down just as quick. So I, we, we can't know. But but I, I'm an African American and I got a narrative to go off. And and I think that there that there may be that there may be something to that, and I think that's that's another thing that she might have been a victim of on on that day, you know, almost a, almost a year ago. But I guess now we can move into Joshua Brown's testimony. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Joshua Brown was the neighbor who was watching football or something in his apartment, just watching TV, um, and he. Um, heard the two gunshots and then went out and I don't I don't think he spoke to Amber but he mm-hmm. like overheard her talking and um they were good friends um Joshua so, Brown and Amber No um Joshua Brown and Botham. Yes okay, yes okay. and Botham. Yeah so they they'd hang out and I think he saw them saw him previously that morning or something like that um and if you haven't heard his testimony or watched it it's really good it's on YouTube it's like 30 minutes I would really encourage you to go and watch it um, cause he kind of gives out the layout of the apartment and like where his was versus where his Botham's were, um, was, and I know it was really good. Um, but really like compelling testimony. He like started like crying and like, it was, it was really just like engaging in that, like you could tell this is his friend and it was so genuine. And yeah, shed tears when he got to the, to the point, like they were asking about like, what did you hear? normally when he would get home or that day on the way home or whatever. And yeah, I, th- I think it was interesting that you brought up that the the marijuana thing with at Botham's because I saw that before I saw him leading worship. The oh, the video of him leading that's worship. Good. That's good. And the, you know, I saw more posts about that and more posts defaming him than what I did of like the testimonies mm-hmm. of those youth that he impacted at his church. Um and just the like the overall impact in Dallas that he had. Did that turn out to be true? marijuana yeah so that's where it gets fuzzy because joshua brown says that him and botham would smoke together okay and so but it's something that it's like okay yes it's illegal in the states but look i you, look. <laughs> you know like it's just, just one of those things i don't want to say I it's a big deal like i don't you I know don't, but it, i don't as, think yeah as an evangelical christian i i totally do believe that we should that we should obey the law but i'm just going to be honest with you i don't there are bigger drug health issues. Absolutely, like absolutely. Crack cocaine and, and yes. powder cocaine and heroin and yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, yes, <laughs> okay. Yes. Um. So yes, that whether or not it was in his apartment, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think I think there are so many things that you like could speculate, and it could be this or it could be that. Mm-hmm. Um. And we don't necessarily have privy to the whole truth. Mm-hmm. But but I think what Candy said is spot on. The fact that that was even brought up is disrespectful. To the family, Fox Fox should be ashamed of himself. They're blocked. I blocked yeah. them. <laughs> he blocked them on Twitter. Themselves. I won't see this. That's gross. Yeah. But now, so now I think it's time to transition to the moment that's kind of got that's kind of got everyone up in arms. So, for a lot of reasons. So Amber gets charged earlier last week, um, and uh, not charged, but there's a verdict mm-hmm. that that she is indeed guilty. And uh, to and and it's not it's not manslaughter because she admitted that she shot to kill so it yeah. is murder yeah um, and that's not premeditated murder but it is murder and uh, so that's that's a possibility of up to up to ninety years and uh, uh, ninety nine years actually and um, so she is charged and at, at that moment 
when I saw the tweet that the, the verdict was that she was guilty, my immediate reaction was, my God, it finally happened. Legit. I mean, I and, and, and it wasn't like I, look, I got a bunch of problems with our criminal justice system, and, and I'm terrified for what's going to happen to Amber Geiger in that in this next five to ten years, I, I think I think she may get like some kind of isolated. Someone she told has me, to. Yeah, she has to. Someone told me that. So yeah, but but I'm terrified of what our criminal. It's not rehabilitative. It's Mm-mm. it's just it's just a hellhole. So I wasn't celebrating her fate. I was celebrating the fact that his life mattered. Mm-hmm. I thought mm-hmm. that his life mattered. That there was a that there was a verdict of you are guilty for taking a life, that his life is important, that you're not just going to get paid leave, you know, or any of that nonsense, or you're not going to end up on the street as a cop again, hearing a, hearing a little bit after this gets a little bit more hushed, that you took a life and that that life mattered. And that was, and that was, and that was huge. And then, <laughs> and then we found out that she got 10 years. So what, what are, what are our reactions to 10 years? Yeah. Oh, I, I just want to start, I thought the same thing too, especially mm-hmm. being from Dallas, it made me really proud that my mm-hmm. police department and my justice system uh, that was around me, that was local, um, was able to get it right for mm-hmm. the moment at least. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, I like I made a post on Twitter actually, um, I'm really proud of how this was handled. She was fired, she wasn't given paid leave, mm-hmm. um, she you know, ended up being, uh, to, she was guilty, mm-hmm. um, and I... I thought, wow, you know, this is this is the first time that I've seen someone who's actually done something wrong mm-hmm. um, to a black man mm-hmm. get punished for it, mm-hmm. um, get called guilty. And I remember making that post, and I was, I think it was like 30 minutes later that I thought, isn't it kind of sad almost that we mm-hmm. have to be proud of what's mm-hmm. expected? You know, mm-hmm. like she literally walked into another man's apartment, killed him, killed him in his own apartment, and... Like there's there's really nothing to debate there. It's she murdered a man, and I know that it wasn't the, you know, like there are ways there are, there are many things that you can feel bad about for her, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, that's murder. Um, and right. so to be proud of of a system, it almost made me sad that, like, <laughs> that that we've reached this point of we've lowered the bar so much that it, it's this is what is expected is actually something that we're celebrating. I mean, what um, we've seen, like, I mean. I remember, I remember when Tamir Rice, the the twelve year old child, mm-hmm. was shot, dead, and I was like, I talked to people who tried to vindicate that guy. I was like, well, he saw, he thought he saw what, he thought he saw picture. He was twelve. She was a girl. She was a little girl. Yeah, like yeah, like just this, just the the nonsense of 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 us, honestly. Talking about a twelve-year-old being shot dead, and saying, "Well, but I, I feel there's like there's no well, yeah, but. like there's yeah, right." There it's isn't. it's almost as if you're too uncomfortable to like sit at the facts for where it was. If mm-hmm. she was twelve, she was unarmed. Whether or not, like, we're not talking about him or what he was doing. We were mm-hmm. talking about it was a twelve-year-old who was unarmed. And I think that's the same in this situation. Talking about Botham, whether or not you know, like. Marijuana, it's like irrelevant, you know, mm-hmm. like he, you can look into him. He was an upstanding citizen. He had a great job. Like mm-hmm. he came here legally. He's mm-hmm. United States citizen. Um, and like who he is as a person should be, should be celebrated and his life should be valued enough to transfer to the legal system. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't think necessarily he got that with the 10 year sentence because, That's you know, it. there are people in prison for petty crimes larger than 10 years, you know, for longer sentences than 10 years. Um, and I think just because I, I think this is solely on um, the jury being willing to listen to her and like being willing to look at her as a human being, because had those people in prison who are serving 10 years plus for, I mean, more petty crimes, like, you know, like robbery, for example, I mean, that's pretty intense. But like, if you looked at the person of like, because the jury actually heard her out of why she was doing it or why mm-hmm. what everything happened mm-hmm. but you won't you won't sit there and take the time of day and look upon someone with compassion with someone who has a darker skin tone or mm-hmm. is from a different socioeconomic class or mm-hmm. you know there are so many variables but amber was awarded all of that which is how it should be 
for any person for anyone. That's yes, but you need to treat criminals better. But, right. Yeah, but it was because of how she looked. Blonde hair, blue eyed. You know, she's pretty. She's a pretty woman. Mm-hmm. She was crying. You know, like I believe the jury took compassion on her, which is yes, how the legal system should be. But not everyone was awarded. So I and, think we should look at like the legal system yeah. out of whole, and why is it that Amber gets this privilege but not anyone else? And that's what was hard because I, I don't even like, I don't love the fact that we refer to people as criminals and not by their name. So that's what's hard is like I'm looking at this process and I'm like. So I'm seeing like her being able to cry and talk before the jury and I'm the judge and her um, you know, having her hair stroked in the courtroom by the deputy and 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 the victim's brother being able to like speak forgiveness and life into her and the judge coming down off the stand and reading the Bible to her. And giving I'm looking her at one. Yeah, giving her one, yeah, and, t- and talking about John three sixteen. I'm looking mm-hmm. at all this and I'm like, that's actually how I want people who are considered criminals to be treated. And my issue wasn't that she was being treated that way. My issue was that if you flip it, if it would have been, let's live in an imaginary world for a little bit. If Bob and Jean would have walked into a house that wasn't his, assuming that it was, and shot her dead. Completely different. Completely different. We wouldn't care about if she smoked marijuana. Mm -hmm. And no one would be in the courtroom rubbing his head, hoping he was going to be okay. He certainly wouldn't be able to physically... This was... I think this was probably just a misstep by the judge, period. You should never let a a family member physically touch the victimizer in the courtroom. I'm I'm sorry. That was... Because if it would have been my little brother, he'd have shanked it. If I I was dead... (laughs) If I was dead, and my little my little brother would have gave yeah. that whole spill about right. forgiveness, <laughs> and the judge would have said, "Now you guys can can I hug her, please, please?" And 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 he would have been like, "Look, I'll take the years. Like I I know I know him. I know my little brothers, both of them." And so like, I it's just like that was that was one inappropriate, but I un but but the grace that she was able to receive and the and the love and the kind of like here let's send you into the cell well and now you're a born again believer and you have new life and after your five years you'll you know you'll you'll come out and be a great citizen it's like man i wish man i wish other criminals could get treated like that man i wish i'm gonna say minority criminals yeah can get treated like that absolutely and I think there are there's just so many things that you can like pick out and like be uh, like so sad about, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I think with this, it, I can I can look back and say that like his life, and is has there's so much to glean from it, right? Mm-hmm. This story, this testimony, this everything like that, because there was grace shown, and I believe that um, God's name was proclaimed, like mm-hmm. ultimately above all, above race, above mm-hmm. injustice, above. Like, ultimately, at the end of the day, God had the final word and the final say. Um, but even, like, the judge is getting so much backlash for giving a Bible out. Right. Like, atheists are running rampant. And right. so, like, they want to, I, what's the word for, like, taking the ju- judge off of, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to say dethroning, word, but yeah. that's not right. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever it was. I couldn't think of it. No, that's great. But I love how his mom pointed out, uh, I believe it was Botham's mom told, said that if Amber had would have given him 30 seconds, like would have just talked to him for 30 seconds, he may still be alive, which is crazy. You know, like 30 seconds is just like an instant. But she was like, that's who my son was to everyone he met. Mm-hmm. And, and just that testimony is like... Um, corroborated with so many other people and and so i don't know i think it's something that this is one of those that like we still need to do better but we are not where we were i don't want to stay complacent but i do want to say like let's dive in there you mentioned the mom this is this is an important piece this is a super important piece um and kennedy yeah i'm I'm really interested to hear your, your thoughts on this but you mentioned the mom so so the moment that I'm gonna just say it, and we're gonna and we're gonna and we're gonna work through it, and we're gonna deal with it. 
the moment that pissed me off was I get on social media to a group of people that said nothing about this trial for almost a year. Mm. Nothing. And now look, uh, uh, admonishing and and celebrating the grace that the, the younger brother gave to her is, like you said, it trumps everything. It's beautiful. It is important. Um, we should care. God had a, there was a victory there. Mm-hmm. But for a year, this has been going on. It's like Candy said, it's been mentioned by it was mentioned in the Senate race. It news outlets were making noise about it. It's huge. We're 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 three hours away from Dallas here in College Station. Nothing was said. And then the hug is everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it hurt. It it I shouldn't have said it pissed me off. I should just say that it hurt. Because I was like, Where where were y'all? Yeah, I um it hurt. So I'll, I'll say, watching, mm-hmm. watching Brent go on about forgiveness and mm-hmm. and pretty much share the gospel was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Um, <clears throat> and it it made me proud. It actually, I thought uh, one of the things I don't know that people talk about is how I, I think how beautiful it was for black kids to see. Come on, a yeah. Man yeah, that's it. Who's of color? respond with slowness to anger yeah uh, and with forgiveness someone and to get it you know like to see so much praise for it mm-hmm. um i think that's huge and i think that that's something that i haven't heard much about but it's something that really stuck out to me mm-hmm. um and so i hope that makes an impact uh, at the same time i i completely agree um that the the praise for it the praise for that moment uh i think it's warranted mm-hmm. but uh at the same time i also think um uh, it's i was thinking about similar moments where someone was accidentally killed uh, they didn't mean to do it um josh brent do you remember josh brent josh brent was a dallas cowboys defensive tackle who uh he killed his best friend who was on the practice squad in uh, a drunk driving accident mm-hmm. um, he was in the passenger seat uh, the, the teammate was josh brent was driving some, somewhere around 100 miles an hour mm-hmm. and he killed his teammate um and i remember a lot of a lot of christian people um, were outraged that he that Jerry Jones stood by him. Um, we didn't hear that, you know, like the, the mother forgave him, uh, and we didn't necessarily hear the same sort of treatment. Oh, oh. And uh, he did get a light sentence. Part of that, he was an NFL player right. who has money. Uh, also, okay. Jerry Jones, I don't know, he was backing him. It could be possible. But okay. just for me, it's, it's interesting to see that, um, you know, in, in this instance, a black man was the one who made the mistake um it wasn't a good thing at all by any means mm-hmm. um and the public the, the the public responded with the really opposite reaction of he needs to go to prison he needs Uh-oh. to be locked up for life Uh-oh. um and in this case it no one really said that for a whole year and that's where i'm with you i think that when you know like when it first happened i know a lot of people were like oh that's ridiculous she walked into you know the man's house and Mm-hmm. She should be, you know, found guilty for that. And then you didn't hear about it for, for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to see pretty much a bunch of nothing until the hug, I, I do think that that's where my issue is. It's not the hug. It's not the forgiveness. Mm-hmm. I love that. That was, mm-hmm. And I think that that's worthy of, of praise, as I mentioned. But mm-hmm. it's just the silence is exactly what I talked about earlier with, with um, kind of the lack of care and, and the, with apathy, the apathy. Um, it's just, that's that's what kind of stood out to me. You said something, and that was good, and I almost got emotional when you said it because we work with African American kids, mm-hmm. and when you said that he was a great model for being slow to anger, mm-hmm. that was powerful. Like it really was, and I think that was the hard thing about the whole situation was like I wanted to celebrate, I wanted to fist pump it, I wanted to, I wanted to post it, I wanted to to show that man, this is the love that Jesus Christ has for. Um, his enemy that this is that this is that that once again the black church they did it again just like with charleston just like in the civil rights movement just like in the era of slavery the black church once again did it they looked at their enemy they looked at the person that caused them an immense amount of pain and they said i I don't even i don't even want you to pay the price for this Mm -hmm. and and i think
think that was so beautiful and I wanted to celebrate it so much because I wanted to celebrate look at look at what my community once again did in the face of tremendous adversity and pain and I couldn't I couldn't because of I didn't even know about the Josh Brown situation but because I had a I had a funny feeling that if it was a black man being forgiven we wouldn't have called it that. I had a funny, I really did. Like I had a funny feeling. And the, the example that you gave is just, it's too powerful. That literally, it's almost a very similar thing of like a mom forgave. We didn't hear a word. We didn't hear a peep. We all, we all, we, all, we got off to, you know, all, all that. And, and here's, here's the even more troubling part. Not only did we focus on the hug, but let's keep it real. We focused on an 18-year-old who's trying to realize how to cope mm-hmm. instead of a mom who stood up in eloquence and power and said, "This the Dallas Police Department has some serious systemic issues and no one, nobody looked over there. Yeah. You know, um, once again, mm-hmm. that's that brings me to a post that I saw from a friend of mine on Facebook. Someone, um, she shared... She shared the hug. Uh, mm-hmm. she, a lot of people shared the hug, so right. I wasn't surprised by that. Right. Um, she shared it, thought it was beautiful, and then later, I think maybe in the same night, she shared another post about a protest going on in Dallas. Mm-hmm. And she said, look at the two different sides. You have one that's showing grace and forgiveness, and then you have one that, I can't remember exactly what she said, but basically, um, she was kind of scoffing at the fact that there were people who were not being gracious and forgiving. And it's it's not that, it's, Five years, essentially, doesn't do justice for, for a life. A life. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, yeah. How and, much do we value his black life? Yeah, and so it's like, I got mad. I and this is actually a former youth pastor, uh, not like official youth pastor, but someone who was in authority in one of my churches, and I thought, like, that's that says it all. Mm-hmm. Um, that sometimes we can't get past ourselves when it comes to justice. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there was, there was justice. It wasn't very much, mm-hmm. and so that's kind of, it's double. It, it's it's kind of a double edged thing, honestly. I thought, I thought, I thought. I don't ignoring maybe a strong word, but I thought not noticing the power of what his mom said. I thought was. I'm gonna say I thought it was partisanship. I I, I think like for, for the religious right and for more conservative evangelicals. It's easy to celebrate the forgiveness and to talk about the gospel and talk about um, the the power of the gospel and forgiveness instead of talking about the justice that even made the gospel possible. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for the verdict, there is no forgiveness. Matter of fact, let the judge would let her go out of that courtroom too mm-hmm. and see if he says the same thing. He wouldn't have. It was the justice that led to the forgiveness, and so it, so to ignore that was 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 problematic. But I think what happened was a lot of people didn't want to get caught up in, well, I don't want to be seen as a lefty Black Lives Matter person. I, I don't want to get caught up in being a social justice warrior, but I can be an evangelical. Right. And and I and I think you mentioning your youth minister is powerful because it shows what is our theology. Does our theology have justice in it, or does it only have forgiveness? And then, let's talk about it. Does it only have forgiveness for people who look like us? Because it because the forgiveness wasn't there for Josh Brent. It wouldn't have been there for Mavin John. At least I'm going to have to assume based off history. But it could be there for Amber Geiger. Do we have a faith that, do we not only have a criminal justice system that treats you better if you're white, but also a faith that treats you better if you're white. I mean, I, I, I don't want to just sling mud. I mean, these are my brothers and sisters in Christ, and I love them, and, and I want to walk side by side with them in evangelizing and spreading forgiveness to the world. But it's hard when I see the inconsistency and the hypocrisy like that. It, it makes it makes it hard to say let's lock arms and just walk together when it's like you seem to be walking. Different, different direction, direction. Yeah. but I, I think conversations like these are important because you do bring up the like okay 
people like what's our theology like and, and i see it a lot now of like evangelical christians especially in brian college station of like the utmost important thing is accept accepting jesus christ as your lord and savior undoubtedly 110 percent, we can agree on that but the way it's kind of like gone about mm-hmm. is, is a little i i think we're, we're we're getting a little misconstrued that we're like not thinking about the actual person mm-hmm. and this is like a little bit of a tangent but like i was talking to a girl today and uh one of the youth that i work with and she's like, everybody's so concerned about me not believing in God anymore, but no one's no one's asking me why. No one's asking me who hurt, like what happened. And and so I was like, you know what? I'm sorry because you're probably never gonna hear I'm sorry from them because like I care about you as a person. But it's like we've sh- we've like gone so far away that like with good intentions, but the way we're going about it is completely wrong. You know, like with the heart of yes, we want people to accept Jesus, but it's like we're complete we're completely forgetting and negating the fact that they're a human being that has hurts, that have, like, endured things just to get, you know, like, well, you know, Jesus will take care of it. Like, we just have to get past this initial, like, road bump, a.k.a. them accepting Jesus, and after that, they're not our problems. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, lot of theological issue and a lot of that, um, of just this kind of heaven will fix it all, you know, um, the gospel trumps, all of our racial differences and our racial histories and our let, let me let me just go ahead and say it doesn't the gospel is the powerful agent that heals our racial history and our racial trauma it doesn't trump it it doesn't it doesn't just clear the deck and push it to the side it heals it by speaking into it by engaging it like we the the, the gospel doesn't the gospel doesn't just say oh it doesn't matter that the injustice happened the gospel pushes in and, and, and brings justice and power and forgiveness and love and restoration to the hurt. Um, so we, we, we got to get a gospel that's actually doing what Jesus intended for us to do. The, the gospel that Jesus created wasn't a gospel that said, oh, it doesn't. It, not, none of it matters. It's just, let's yeah. just go to heaven together. And, and, and I was telling okay. that to the kids of like the vengeance is of the Lord, but that mm-hmm. doesn't stop you from living right. From, like, talking to your brothers and sisters and saying, hey, that's not right. So I believe we can look at each other and say, like, hey, this is how it's coming from my perspective, and that is not right. Mm -hmm. That is not just. Mm -hmm. And I believe we can stand up for the injustices. I believe we are called to stand up for the injustices. We shouldn't shy away from that just because it's uncomfortable, just because we don't, you know. Um, But that's definitely a different topic for a different day. Yeah, in many ways. But hopefully hopefully it's still hurt, even in the now. It moves us to our kind of our last kind of piece of everything, and that's another unfortunate life loss. But this time, not only is it fishy and strange, but we really just have no answers. Yeah. At least with the Amber Geiger issue, we had somewhat of an answer of like, okay, we know who did it. We kind of know why. We're, fit, we're, we're, we're filling in the story a little bit. But with the Joshua Brown situation, when I fir- so when I first heard it, one, this this shows you racial trauma, which mm-hmm. we talked about the last on the last episode. This shows you racial trauma. When I first heard it, one of my favorite African American um, theologians on Twitter, he said, "They shot him in the mouth. You know why?" That was that was the first thing he mm-hmm. said, and 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 it was just that's just racial trauma showing up of just like we're so used to a criminal justice system that not only doesn't treat us as well, but but that's willing to take us out when we don't stay in line. And and what he was referring to was the idea that Joshua Brown was a witness to this police officer being um, apprehended for this murder. And and the, his first assumption is this man is shot dead. He was terrified to go up there. He was shot in the mouth. You know why. Now, now, for testifying against right, a cop. For testifying against a cop. So now we have more information. Um, and we have a lot more to work with, at least we think. Um, but but I but I just even want to point out the rate, and this is a very balanced, cerebral, intelligent man. He's not just some drunk, you know, black guy in the hood that's like, oh, they did it, you know. Like, yeah, it's not, it's not that. It's, <laughs> it, it's it's the racial trauma of that's the first place his mind's gonna go. Mm-hmm. Um, but the more the story has come out, which I don't think, I guess. Now we know that Joshua Brown wasn't shot in the mouth, but the more that they've actually fleshed out this story, it seems the sketchier. It doesn't get any clearer. There's a stark amount of ambiguity. 
Mm-hmm. So he was shot four times by his car, right? He was mm-hmm. leaving a friend's house later at mm-hmm. night, shot four times. Maybe he had just gotten to his apartment. I can't remember. But mm-hmm. um, no one knows who, no one knows why. Um, well, there are speculations as to why that he was dealing marijuana and the people came, shot him because he was dealing for like a drug deal gone wrong, yeah. essentially. But the the faulty information there was like they left the marijuana. So the marijuana that they drove four ex- hours before. Yeah. Wait, before we move on, can you we're both black. And in the Hispanic community is is, is very <laughs> there's there's a lot of hood element there as well. But we're both black. Do we know any family members that engage in these type of drug exchanges that would drive four hours for, for marijuana? I don't, I don't even know. <laughs> Do we know any sane human beings? No. <laughs> that would drive, what kind of marijuana Not even it? if he had the dopest hash <laughs> on the planet. <laughs> you would not catch what any, marijuana was any sort of Mexican or any, like, no, there's no way. Eminem saying one of his songs, marijuana is every, like, like, uh, <laughs> it's literally the easiest I, I accessible. Weird, yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Dog, you know, uh, and I and I don't and, and look, this is a life loss, and so I'm trying not to be too humorous here. But from the moment I heard that, I was like, wait, they did what? <laughs> like, they... there's no way. There's no way. I I just don't think it's plausible. Um, so that reasoning, no. But like like we were saying, we don't know what happened. We don't know who did it. Like we can speculate all day long and twice on Sunday if mm-hmm. we so please. But um. I think these are things that need to be, like, analyzed, too, you know? Like, yeah. we shouldn't just be complacent of, oh, well, this is what the police said, so... I mean, that, it, it, yeah, and listening to the testimony, I was like, and 12 pounds of marijuana, and it was, he drove four hours for, for 12 pounds. I, just, I, I mean, in the grand scheme of things... I can't even get past that hurdle. Like, marijuana is everywhere. Where was you brought up? <laughs> no, four hours away <laughs> dog you could have you could have hit up you could have hit up a frat party yeah and I mean, got some good but but, <laughs> but no in all seriousness i wish i i struggle with that story and and here's the thing so josh what, what's your what's your angle here are you saying that the police officer sent out a hitman to shoot joshua brown i don't know and that's where we need to. We should have been listening to Botham G's mom. Mm-hmm. I don't know because when I hear a story like that, with all of those crazy lo- loopholes, um, look, gangsters are criminal, but but they're not they're not stupid. And so it's like I don't think someone drove four hours for marijuana, and and then and then did all of that but I think another piece that we have to add to this is Joshua Brown was willing to testify Mm -hmm. he was willing to sit in a courtroom probably walk through security all of that to testify he couldn't have had a record or even had anything that would have led to a record for him to decide, decide to testify now here's the reality Everything that the police officers of, of, of Dallas came out and said happened could have happened. Maybe that's why he was scared to testify because he knew he was in a deal. Maybe they did drive four hours for marijuana. Maybe um, he did shoot at them and they shot back and ended his life. And that's the way this tragic story goes, which, by the way, is not a story of he got what he deserved, all of the rhetoric that can normally go that it's a story of a desperate community with few resources and a lot of their enterprise is through criminality but that's a different podcast for a different day but even if that's the story it it should show you something about how we are skeptical and some people would say false advocacy but how we're skeptical of even the, the the Dallas Police Department because we can't even take I mean they try to come out and, and clear the smoke and get everyone on the same page and have us you know kind of now deal with his death 
with the information that they supposedly have, and we can't trust them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's, that's difficult. That's difficult that, like, while we wanted to focus on the forgiveness, we should have been listening more to the mom because I think she spoke into a, 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 a deeper and broader reality that a lot of people are dealing with in the midst of in the midst of this whole of this whole trial. Yeah, and I and I hate that this won't even Joshua or Botham. This won't be the last. Which really, like, this won't be the last time. Um, and, and that's like just ultimately the sad reality of the nation in which we live. Um, but that doesn't mean that we can't just, we're just complacent and waiting until the next big scandal happens or until another life is lost. Like it's, it's one of those things that's like how many until like enough is enough. And I think that takes all of us, whether you're, you know, African-American, Mexican, white, Asian, everything in between of like standing up for, you know, our brothers and sisters because their lives matter um, and participating in those movements, not because it takes away from our life, but that we're celebrating each individual life, like even celebrating their um, color as well. I think that's something that's super important. Um, it, yeah, as we have like our, as we kind of start recording the thoughts we have, I, I was listening to a podcast today, it's called Pass the Mic, and uh, Jamar Tinsby and Tyler Burns are brilliant. They just have so much, so many insightful things to say. And, um, if you only listen to two podcasts, you should listen to us and them. Um, just, but, <laughs> top two, right there. <laughs> no more. But uh, but they had a, a conference, the Joy and Justice Conference, and what was crazy and heart wrenching was that Jamar Tisby said these are these African American folks, and what was crazy is Jamar Tisby said, you know, I kind of figured that by the time we had this conference, there would be another mass shooting tragedy. It's, it's almost the same thing with the mass shootings where it's like, you can kind of just go look around a Walmart right now and just say, okay, some, someone in this Walmart might end up in that. For sure. This, this is where our nation is, unfortunately. It's like, we can kind of be like, yeah, I'm going to schedule this huge event where we're going to talk about justice and, 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 uh, and, and, uh, and equality and egalitarianism. And, and you can go ahead and say, you know what? We can mark it. That's probably going to be at the same time that an incident is going to is going to break out, and that's I don't think that's how many. We don't know. We don't know. You got any closing thoughts? Um, to kind of bring it down, bring it in. Yeah, just closing thoughts. I think that um, there's really a lot to like about about what we saw last week, and there's also a lot to that we still need to wrestle through. Um, forgiveness, I like. I, I can't say that that was wrong or that that was bad or that that shouldn't be praised because that was, as I said before, it was one of the most beautiful things I've seen. Um, I almost cried. It was one of those things I wanted to cry <laughs> and I just couldn't. Um, I don't know why, but um, it, like I, I have to... Um, <laughs> it's called I, being emotionally constipated, I, Kennedy. I, I, <laughs> Sorry, it's really beautiful. And I was like, yeah. so yeah, I was emotionally constipated, but no, I, uh, I mean, there, there really is a lot to love about that scene. Um, and I, as Josh said earlier, I think that hopefully what our takeaway is that it shouldn't not be like that, but that all criminal justice should look like that. Um, there should be a level of, of forgiveness and grace given to criminals. And as a matter of fact, um, a lot of the the heroes from the Bible did really bad things. Uh, David was a great leader and then slept with his friend's wife and had his friend killed. Um, and he was one of the one of the, the epitomes of, of leadership in our biblical text. Um, Moses killed somebody. Saul had a lot of you know he was the most the wisest person in the world and he had a lot of flaws. Um, if you go on and on, there are a lot of people with flaws, um, and the Lord forgave them. And I think that's kind of where our hearts should be as Christians: is instead of instead of dishing out, uh, you know, hate and and uh, kind of a, a slowness. Yeah, yeah, retribution. Uh, I 
you know, like in the, in the example with Josh Brown, um, maybe maybe our response is going to be that we treat black, Hispanic, white, everybody um, the same way that we, we treat the Andrew Gardner. I really hope so. Yeah. I really, really hope so. And, and look at I, my, my closing thought would be God bless Amber Geiger. I really hope that mm-hmm. her time in prison is rehabilitated and that she comes out um, as a great citizen, even though I don't love how short she's coming out. I, I, I really do hope the best for her. God bless her family. God bless um, the uh, Jean, uh, uh, Bob and Jane's family and uh, all that they're going through and just another mom that has to that has to deal with a, a, a dead son in our nation that's African-American especially. And so, um, yeah, I mean, seriously, I, I really, that whole situation, and, and, and God bless the family of Joshua Brown, because whatever happened, he's, two best friends are gone. Yeah. Um, so that was a, a lot, um, per usual. You can email us at themoralminorityshow at gmail.com. Um, but, yeah, I think that's all we have for tonight. I'm Nina Leon. I'm Joshua Luckett. Thank you, Kennedy. Yeah, thanks, Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs>